Contracts, salary caps. Why do our favorite teams make some of the moves they do? It's usually the money. It's time for the business of sports with Andrew Brandt. Hello, ladies and gents. Welcome to another edition of the Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt. Didn't think I'd be doing one this week. I'm traveling around, got some uh, speaking engagements, doing some holiday parties, meeting with uh, SI, Sports Illustrated MMQB people, as I did today on the road. But sitting here with my Pinot, thought I'd do it with Brandt's Rants, because a lot's going on in the business of sports, especially the business of football. My guy, Aaron Rodgers, he's back. Then we have Roger Goodell meet the new boss, same as the old boss. Talk about this violence, concussion, CTE issue once again as Tom Savage is the latest to be writhing on the field only to come back into play after being taken out so briefly. And then, of course, I thought we would talk about the whole new age of media, the big Verizon deal, I think is a big deal, and I'll tell you why. First of all, Aaron's back. <laughs> Aaron Rodgers, uh, I think all of you know how uh, admittedly biased I am about him. I think he's the best player in football. I think that he makes such a huge difference. I remember when he went out, I talked to someone in Vegas doing all the gambling stories I'm doing about being in the Supreme Court, as you've, t- you've heard on my last two podcasts. They said that Aaron moves that line, that point spread, that betting line, almost 11 points, biggest in the NFL, almost by far. In other words... The Packers were going into games the last few weeks, say they were two-point underdogs. With him, they'd be nine-point favorites. Say were they going in as seven-point underdogs. With him, they'd be two-point, I'm sorry, they'd be four-point favorites. So you see what an amazing difference he has, and I'm sure this can be reflected against Carolina when he comes in this week. Uh, I just think that gives them an ability, and I don't want to get ahead of ourselves, get too biased on the Packers But if they get in, and that's an if, I know, it's a big if, but if they get in the tournament, watch out. Because then the quarterbacks you're going to have, now you're going to have Drew Brees, and you're going to have Jared Goff, I think, who's really good. You may have Russell Wilson, but you're also going to have Nick Foles, you're going to have Case Keenum, and nothing against those guys. They're two of the better backups in the history of the league, recent history of the league. But you're going to have Aaron Rodgers against those guys. So I just think everything could change with this. Now, again, they could lose to Carolina. They could be out of it. You never know. But we'll see what happens. And and I think everyone knows my feelings about Aaron. I've told the story so many times, how we drafted him, how we had 20 guys up there with first-round grades. We picked 24. By the time we got to that pick, the 19 out of 20 were gone. I remember players like DeMarcus Ware, Marcus Spears, even David Pollock was on that list. We had one guy, and it was a quarterback. And we had the most consistent and durable quarterback in the history of the NFL on our team in his prime, Brett Favre. Our coaches are rumbling like, oh, my God, no way we're going to take this guy. He's not going to help us this year. He may not help us next year. He may not help us the year after. He may never help us. And it's a first-round pick. On the other side of me, I'm in the middle, is the GM, Ted. And he always says, what do we say? Trust the board. The board says that's the best player. We don't dip into the second round for a defensive player, which was our targeted that need that year. And we did. And we took him. And I got on the phone with him, and I had to hold him there for 12 excruciating minutes because we wanted to see if that phone would ring. If someone would call with an offer we couldn't refuse, 
who knows if that phone rang, which it didn't, it was dead silence, crickets in there, and I'm hanging on the phone, and Aaron and his agent are just screaming for us to make a decision. But if that phone rang, who the heck knows? Maybe the NFL is completely different. We have, someone offers us a high second, another second. Oh, well, you know, just like Packers do every year. They trade out of the first into the second and get an extra second. That happened with this year. So Aaron Rodgers could have been somewhere else. The phone didn't ring. We took him. And I remember that first minicamp practice. He came in there, moved, showed that arm strength, hit Donald Driver 60 yards on the run, dead but dead eye. Ted Thompson and I locked eyes. He doesn't show much, but that look showed me that he knew – we had our guy. And it's the most comforting feeling as a front office executive in football. The most comforting feeling, no matter the record of your team in the early stages. Let me explain. The most comforting feeling a front office executive in football can have is you know you have the guy. You've got the guy. Now, there may be injuries, like there is to Carson Wentz, like there is to Aaron Rodgers, but he's coming back. There may be down games. There may be other parts of your team that you really got to fix. But you got the guy. Once you're in that position, it's all, all full go everywhere else. I mean, that it's the position the Seahawks have been in. It's the position the Eagles are now in. The Rams are now in. The Titans are now in. And I'm not talking about the superstars that are older, the, the Breeze and Brady's and all that. But they know these young quarterbacks, they got the guy. And once you got the guy, you're ready to go. And we knew right away with Aaron, we got the guy. Sure, we had Brett. He was the guy. And there was no bigger star in the NFL in my time with the Packers than Brett Favre. Absolutely loved him. Love him today for what he did and what he did for all of us. But then we saw Aaron and the Packers have the guy. They had the guy back then, and of course now he's at the top of his game. And a final thought on Aaron. It was interesting because I was at the MMQB offices today, and we were talking. We were having this sort of football debate about MVP. Not so much who's MVP. You can make a case for Brady or or Breeze or Wilson or Roethlisberger, whatever this year. But my feeling on the MVP, and I think a couple guys shared this with me. It's MVP doesn't really have to do with the year. I know it says MVP of that season, but to me, MVP is just the MVP. In other words, Aaron Rodgers, to me, is the MVP. In other words, I look at it as a tradable asset. Is there any player in the NFL that you could offer me to give you Aaron Rodgers? The answer is no. The answer is no last year. The answer is no the year before. The answer is no next year. So... To me, that's the MVP. Now, you look at basketball. I don't know. I mean, Russell Westbrook has won it. Harden maybe won. I mean, to me, you offer me any of those guys for LeBron James, I'm not taking that deal. So I look at it as LeBron's the MVP of basketball. Aaron's the MVP of football. And I don't. I guess I don't look at it in terms of years. I'm like, okay, you know, pick who you want. I wouldn't trade him for LeBron. Pick who you want in football. I wouldn't trade that person. Uh, I mean, I wouldn't trade, I'm sorry, I wouldn't trade Aaron for that person. I wouldn't trade LeBron for whoever you pick as MVP. So that's just my personal pet peeve about the MVP. I don't know. We can parse what most viable means. We can parse if it's different than offensive player of the year, defensive. Whatever the fact, that's my thought on Aaron. Getting to the league in general, 
Wow, Roger Goodell stays in power another five years. He'll go, uh, the five-year extension takes him to 2024, which he may or may not be done. Then there's differing reports whether he will be or not. That'll keep him in office uh, from 2006 to 24 is 18 years. That's outlasting Paul Tagliabue, who went 17 years. Listen, Goodell is what he is. He's corporate, he's guarded, he's robotic at times. I, as I've written off, and I said, I don't know if that's really him. I think some of that's him, that sort of uh, corporate look, but I think a lot of it is what the owners and the sponsors and the networks and the constituents that are in the business side want him to be, the strong-jawed, iron-willed leader that's not going to show a lot of weakness, that's not going to show a lot of humanity. I've seen vulnerability out of Goodell. You know, we had some problem players in Green Bay. He took an interest He'd call me out of the blue. How are they doing? He'd set up meetings when he was on the road. I saw that, but I think most people don't see that. They see a Goodell that's taken the hits so the owners don't have to. That's that hardline guy and loves player discipline. That's his baby. He's not going to give it up. So I just, you know, you have to wonder. He has popularity. Now, Jerry Jones tried to derail the process. I don't know what he got done. This contract, who the heck knows? The reporting is like a player contract. We hear $200 million, 40 a year over five years. He's not going to make that because most of it's incentive-based. What are those incentives? Well, to me, they could be about total revenues. We've heard Goodell wants $25 billion in total revenues by 2027, meeting those goals, meeting step-by-step goals, stair-by-stair every year, tiered goals for different buckets of revenue. That could be part of it. We hear about the CBA, he did a great job on the last one, extraordinary 10-year length, team-friendly terms, spending minimums are really easy for teams. You know, he could match that performance or even have a better performance against the leadership that's the same leadership, the union leadership he did before. That's another aspect of this. He could have incentives based on the media deals, which I'll get to in a minute with the Verizon, but... You know, we hear about cord cutting and we hear about uh, ratings down. You know me, I don't think that's going to make a difference. I don't think it's going to make an anthill of a difference in getting the money they want out of networks because, as I'll talk about in a little bit, there are other bidders. There are other bidders besides the networks. Uh, and then, of course, Goodell is someone that the vast majority of owners seem to like, seem to respect, have known his relationships predate uh, his commissionership. He'd been in the league forever, COO under, under Tagliabue. So he knows these guys inside and out. He's known them for 30 years, some of them, and Jerry Jones included. So yeah, they'll have their spats, they'll have their differences. But today was press conferences. Everybody's happy. Jerry Jones seems satisfied. And maybe he did get his pound of flesh with the, uh, with the contract. You know, maybe they're an incentive-based contract terms that came from Jerry Jones. We'll have to see on that. And I did mention, so I'll mention it here. The Verizon deal this week, I think is a big deal. First of all, the money, half a billion dollars, $500 million Verizon to stream games and starting in the playoffs, not waiting until next year, starting January 1 in the playoffs. It's a huge deal because the NFL is recognizing this. I will say this over and over again till the cows come home till I'm blue in the face. The biggest challenges facing the NFL are not concussions, are not kneeling for the anthem, are not cord cutting, are not uh, pick, a, pick a decline, the violence, the brutality. Absolutely not. The biggest challenge for the NFL, the NBA, the NHL, Major League Baseball, on and on, is, is this. 
how do you attract and maintain younger audiences? They got us, and maybe most of you listening, they got us. We're older, we like football, we watch. We'll settle in for three hours, maybe more for a lot of you, on a Sunday and watch, or a Monday night, or a Sunday night, or a Thursday night. But the younger audiences, maybe not. They've started this year with the split-screen advertising, with some less stoppages, even though it seems like some of the stoppages have more commercials than they used to. But that's got to change. They've got to bring the product length down from three hours, I think, to about two and a half. At some point, they've got to figure out more split-screen advertising, more skinned advertising, where they're not going to commercial all the time. They've got to figure out all these stoppages and the referees who look like they're old men at a country club sitting and chatting. Like, come on. Because, I, you know, I got kids, 15 and 20. They're not going to sit for it. So I just think that's the representation. You can call millennials, but the fact is there's always more options than we had when we were that age. You're not going to be as invested when you have so many options. So here's the deal. Verizon is paying all this money to really the one word that comes out of this is mobile. Mobile is king. Mobile is everything. People live on their phones. People are mobile. That's what they want. They want on demand. They want mobile. So Verizon is going to allow for mobile, and mobile is key. My point here is the NFL is recognizing what I think is their biggest threat. They've addressed it in this way. It's a small way in the big picture going forward, but it's a big way in the fact they're doing it. Uh, They're doing it, and they're doing it now, starting the playoffs of 2018. In other words, in the matter of a week or so. That's big. You're going to watch these playoff games, if you want, through Verizon on your mobile. And that, I can't, I can't overestimate the importance of that. Kudos to the NFL. We're going to see this more from other sports leagues, especially baseball. They have got to figure out a way to embrace a younger audience for a long, long season without the star power of other leagues. Uh, so we'll see what happens there. Baseball, everyone's skewing older. We hear about the NBA skewing younger. I'm still not so sure because... Maybe it is, maybe it's hot, maybe it's cool, but you start seeing the ratings, you know, NBA ratings, even of playoff games compared to your average Sunday NFL rating, it's not even close. NFL dominates ratings compared to the NBA. So everything I hear about NBA being hot and cool and all that, well, there's still like a, you know, sliver of NFL ratings. You know, there was a Warriors-Celtics game a couple weeks ago on a Thursday night, got slaughtered by an average... I think Tennessee was playing uh, Pittsburgh on a Thursday night game. Really? So that shows you something there. A final comment. I just mentioned one of the things that I do not, do not think will stop the NFL is the violence. We've seen it again. We saw it with Shazir. We're seeing it with Tom Savage and the bemoaning of the violence and the concussions and how awful it is. We're seeing CTE stories out there again. Larry Johnson, the former great running back for the... Kansas City Chiefs, we're seeing a lot of that come out. And these stories are always heartfelt, heart-wrenching, and you worry about them. You worry about them doing something drastic to themselves. But, listen, that's what we accept. We These CT stories have been around for years. Concussions and, and heartfelt stories on Outside the Lines, on all these shows, have been around for years. When I started ESPN, 2011, they were doing all these shows. What do we do? We don't turn away. We don't. And for those who sort of suggest that football would go the way of boxing, please, come on. 
boxing popularity declined with an increase in popularity in the sport that basically replaced it, which is MMA, which is more savage, more brutal, and more bloody than boxing. So don't tell me that boxing's decline is related to its violence. On the contrary, it's replaced by more violence. So with football, yeah, it's violent. Yeah, there are major injuries. There are train wrecks, collisions every play. But that's not turning us away. Yeah, I mean, there are going to be people that reach out on Twitter. Yeah, I'm done with it, whatever. But in any kind of real numbers, no, that's not the issue. We have this contradictory, conflicted relationship with violence in the NFL. We, I'm including me, I and you, bemoan the violence, lament the brutality, shake our head at the collisions and the train wrecks and what it leaves behind the aftermath. But we watch. But we read about it. But we pay attention. But we listen to the radio. But we watch shows around the shoulder programming. It's a, it's uncanny. We have this incredibly contradictory relationship with football. I've said it a hundred times. I lived in Europe. I thought that soccer was kind of mainlined figuratively into kids' veins when they're four, five, six, seven years old. I think that's true in this country with American football. So that's where we are. Those are my thoughts on a chilly night as we start to begin winter here. I'm on the road, but I thought I'd give you that, my little uh, Brant's rants on some business items that sort of got my attention, got me thinking. I hope you enjoy it. Feel free to ask me questions. I'll answer them on the podcast. Just go to Twitter and go to Ask Andrew. Uh, just write a, write a question to me on Twitter and hashtag Ask Andrew. I will answer it um, on Twitter. And I did, I'll, I'll do one of those right now because I get this question a lot. Who was the hardest negotiation I had at the Packers? You know, one thing about negotiating to me was I was coming from the agent side, so I always tried to be kind of, you know, the good guy. Uh, one thing I noticed right away is when you move to management, you know, players sort of see you as the dark side. Players see you as the enemy. I wanted to avoid that. And we're in Green Bay and it's a fishbowl and everyone knows each other and my wives know their wives and talking about the players, and I had represented, like, Matt Hasselbeck was on the team, so he was telling everyone, you know, I'm cool. And at some point, a couple of the guys really wanted to negotiate with me without an agent. They trusted me, they liked me, they knew I was a former agent. Here's the problem, though. When you negotiate without an agent, it's raw, it's emotional, there's no buffer between you. I had to tell guys I was friends with on a personal level. They weren't worth what they thought they were worth. They weren't as good as the guys they thought they were. I didn't argue personnel. I just argued value. And this was a loser for me. I learned my lesson. I negotiated with guys that I liked, that we had relationships, that our wives had relationships. And I thought it would be good. It wasn't. Whatever deal I got wasn't worth it. Because I I abused relationships. Because obviously that was my life. I was a good negotiator. They weren't. So uh, when people came to me and said, I want to negotiate with you, after that, I said, no, no, I want an agent. I want an agent for presentation where I'm not presenting it because it's raw. I'm on the other side. And I want an agent to buffer any hard feelings that are going to go on between us. And that was a lesson learned. So 
people think the hardest negotiation would be like, you know, Brett Favre giving a hundred million dollars or someone that was really, you know, bending me over with all their leverage. No, it was ones that on the surface people would say, Oh, Andrew, you got a great deal. And I, and I realized maybe I did, but geez, I w- it wasn't worth it. I wish they had an agent. I wish I would have gone easier. Uh, and I wish I wouldn't have gotten the deal that I did for some of those guys. You learned a lesson. That's my lesson learned. That's my question for the day. Listen, follow me on Twitter. Ask me questions at Andrew Brandt. Listen to the podcast at RossTucker.com, at iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Apple Podcasts. Wherever you hear us, please give us a good rating. I would appreciate it. Uh, and I really try and engage you guys. I think it's a great audience. I love you guys that tune in. I'll be back next week with another edition of The Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt. Thanks for listening to The Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt. Make sure to subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode. You can also get additional insider insight by listening to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, Fantasy Feast, Even Money, and College Draft Podcast, all at RossTucker.com or wherever podcasts are found.